Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Corumbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, along with Jim Garrity of National Review, also the author of Between Two Scorpions, which goes on sale officially a week from today, but you can pre-order your copies now. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. We have good, good, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. The recipient of today's crazy martini should be very proud because it was a tough competition for crazy today, and, um, but they've earned it. Trust us. They've earned it. So uh, we're also sponsored today by Quip Electric Toothbrushes. They start at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash martini right now, you can get your first refill pack of brushes for free. Jim, we've got some good news on the constitutional front and has nothing to do with the Supreme Court. So uh, we'll probably get getting a few major decisions as this month unfolds. But right now, little rattle in the engine for those who want to scrap the Electoral College and by doing it the circuitous route by just not uh, abolishing the Electoral College because that's too hard by amending the Constitution, but just by agreeing that no matter who wins your state, you're going to award all of your state's electoral votes to whoever wins the national popular vote. So a lot of deep blue states have gotten on board with this. They're up to about 180-some electoral votes. Obviously, you need 270 to win, and so the pact doesn't kick in until they've actually got enough states on board to make up the majority of the Electoral College. And that goal just got harder, thanks to a couple of states. Uh, Several days ago, lawmakers in Nevada actually approved adding Nevada to that list. But in a surprise to many, the Democratic governor there, Steve Sisolak, vetoed the legislation. So Nevada stays in the Electoral College, at least for now. Now we go to the other end of the country, WMTW News in Maine. The Maine House of Representatives on Thursday rejected a plan to allocate the state's four electoral votes to the presidential candidate who wins the popular vote instead of the candidate who wins the Electoral College. The House vote against the popular vote proposal comes roughly two weeks after the Maine Senate narrowly approved the plan. In the 2016 election, Maine split its electoral votes. Three went to Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton, and one went to now-President Donald Trump. Maine is just one of two states, along with Nebraska, to split its electoral votes based on who wins congressional districts. And 2016 marked the first time the split ever happened in Maine. So, Jim, everybody always gets upset in the rare occurrence of uh, there being a difference in who wins the popular vote and the Electoral College. And because the last two times it happened in the last 16 years, the Republicans, the one who ended up being president, so the Democrats are stomping their feet and they think this is their way to get what they want. So hats off to Maine and Nevada for actually reading the Constitution. Yeah, uh, this is when a idea that people love in theory gets closer to reality. Uh, those of us who are not fans of this idea would say, first of all, if you really want to change this, you should change the Constitution. Yes, it's a long and arduous and difficult process, but changing the Constitution is meant to be a long and arduous and difficult process. And you really should have to build a big, broad consensus if you want to make a change on this scale. Uh, And the usual argument from folks on the left is, that's too hard. (laughs) And they say, no, no, we'll just change it so that the states decide who they're going to allocate their electoral college votes to. And it always seems nice in theory. And it's going to be really kind of interesting to see, not that I'm rooting for this, if some year we had a situation where the Democratic candidate won more than 270 electoral votes but lost the popular vote a reversal of 2000 and 2016 and just see does every single person in politics automatically do-si-do and completely change their positions now they've decided that this scenario is unfair 
in this case, though, I, look, we're now up to a bunch of states that have done this. And we, the closer they get to actually reaching the point where enough states have uh, enacted this law that it could actually change the outcome of an election, the more pressure there is on that subsequent state. And those of us who don't like this idea say, look, the moment you go to a national popular vote, you can pretty much win just by running around the big cities of the country. Any system is going to have flaws and quirks or stuff like that. But the whole point of trying to require 270 electoral votes is the idea that, okay, you're going to have to win a bunch of states. You're going to have to win a bunch of different kinds of places. And then a message that works well in California might not work as well in Florida or Texas. And the idea that you have to, your your plan, your idea, your vision, and your agenda has to be reasonably broadly appealing to the country. Now, maybe it's a little bit easier when it's a binary choice. All you have to do is be better than the other major candidate. But uh, this is the system we've got. It seems completely fair. But people forget 1996, which was not that long ago, Bill Clinton was winning places like Arkansas and Tennessee and Kentucky and all these states that are allegedly, oh, my goodness, Democrats could never win that place. So look, these states are not etched in stone. And if you want to win more electoral votes, uh, well, first of all, I mean, don't forget to campaign in certain states like Wisconsin. That that would help. Um, But beyond that, this system is designed to make every state uh, or as many states as possible seem somewhat important and valuable uh, instead of just being able to, you know, spend all your time campaigning in the most densely populated places and effectively become the president of the cities and ignoring the rest of the country. That's what would happen under this. And all of a sudden, Nevada and Maine and these you know, Democrats in these states are looking at the, the reality of this and saying, well, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If we actually went through with this, first of all, we could end up sending our electoral votes to a candidate who didn't win our state. I don't understand why uh, subverting the national popular vote is an unbelievable injustice, but subverting the person who won more votes in the state it's a way to improve it or, or you know, to make to make it better. So um, and look, it take a little bit of courage on the part of these Democratic governors to do this. Kudos to them. Hopefully more and more Democrats will look at this and think this through and say, hey, wait a second. If we go ahead with this, we're going to end up uh, losing a good portion. Whatever value we have in the current process, we're likely to have even less value in the process that would emerge after this change. No, that's exactly right. And uh, the Democrats in Nevada aren't too bright because they actually supported this. The one Democrat who mattered most, though, was the governor, and he uh, saw the wisdom on this one. Uh, he's pretty far left on a lot of things, but he, he got this one right. And uh, it's just uh, another example of how the, the value of states is being diminished in this country. And as the federal government gets more powerful, people see less and less value in the state government, where actually it's exactly where the, most of the power is supposed to be centered, but uh, state and local government. All right, Jim. That leaves us a nice, clean taste in our mouth. And so that uh, brings us to Quip Toothbrushes. It is time to celebrate. It's time to celebrate perhaps your new graduate in your family, or it's time to celebrate dad for Father's Day. Or maybe you just watched all these British protesters of President Trump's visit and said, i got to make sure my teeth stay clean. Treat their teeth, treat your teeth to an electric toothbrush from Quip and help them build good habits for the future. The signature guiding features will not only be a gentle reminder to stick to a daily self-care routine, but will keep your smile bright wherever you go. There's so many things to value in a Quip electric toothbrush. First of all, Quip has a sensitive sonic vibration for an effective clean that's really gentle on your sensitive gums. There's also a built-in two-minute timer pulse every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides and to help you clean your whole mouth evenly. Quip's multi-use cover works as a stand, mounts to mirrors, 
and slides over your bristles to pack and protect your quip when you're on the go. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule of every three months for just $5, a friendly reminder of when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by more than 25,000 dental professionals, and they have thousands of verified five-star reviews. Try the new Quip Kids Brush. The new brush is the same as the original version, but tweaked for size-down mouths. Kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels like the products the adults in their life use, and they're proud to use Quip. So let me tell you, Greg, a couple weeks ago, uh, the kids had run out of their giant globby, bright blue, blue and purple, sparkly kids' toothpaste. They, uh, one that I, as you can kind of tell, I'm not a huge fan of. And they're like, oh, but we can't, you know, the, the grown-up toothpaste is too sharp. We don't like the taste of it. I was like, look, try this one. I use the, the Quip toothpaste that comes with the brush. Kids loved it. It's not too, not too much of a strong. There's not that overwhelming mint tang feeling to anything like that. Gentle on their mouths, does the job, gets their teeth clean. Uh, kids loved it. And I, I, I gave up that tube because they ended up using it themselves. Thankfully, I had another. That's how popular Quip is with kids. That's why Jim loves Quip. That's why everyone who uses Quip loves it. That's over a million happy, healthy mouths. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash martini right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash martini. Getquip.com slash martini. Jim, we always need uh, to brush our teeth and uh, maybe gargle with uh, some mouthwash whenever we talk about this next figure. And he's in our good martini again, so you know it's not a good day for him. Michael Avenatti, CNN. The State Bar of California filed to place attorney Michael Avenatti on involuntary inactive status on Monday. The move is the first step towards disbarment, said Teresa Ruano, program supervisor for the Office of Strategic Communications for the State Bar of California. The filing comes after Avenatti was indicted on 36 counts by a federal jury in California in April. The charges include embezzlement, wire fraud, tax evasion, bankruptcy fraud, and bank fraud connected to his alleged theft of tens of millions of dollars from five clients, one a paraplegic. In a separate case in New York, Avenatti is accused of attempting to extort more than $20 million from sportswear company Nike. He was also charged with fraud and aggravated identity theft involving his former client Stormy Daniels. Prosecutors accused him of stealing about $300,000 of a book advance intended for Daniels. Ruano says there are still several steps before Avenatti would actually be disbarred, but a change to inactive, involuntary status would prevent him from practicing law in the state of California. Avenatti has 10 days to file a response and request a hearing. If no response is filed, he will have waived his right to a hearing. The state bar must file a status decision within 30 days of the hearing. Of course, Avenatti responded to the state bar's action in a tweet on Monday. Jim, you're going to love this. Quote, the action by the California State Bar is nothing more than a pile-on and was entirely expected in light of the pending charges. I offered to cooperate with the bar, and instead, they decided to issue a press release as a stunt. I look forward to being fully <laughs> exonerated by the facts. Jim, how dare a lawyer use the press to their advantage? It's unconscionable. They're the worst, aren't they, Avenatti? Uh, yeah, I think the, uh, the the audacity of his defense or his his you know righteous indignation 
uh, in that statement, uh, that, that by itself just might be delicious enough for the good martini. I think just the, the good martini is that justice is catching up with him. But I think let's just take one more moment to realize it's kind of common to have this, you know, like Icarus, he flew too close to the sun style narrative about, uh, about Avenatti. And I'm sitting there thinking like, did, did he fly close to the sun or did other institutions lift him up? And 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 toss him that high. Like you know, a year ago, most of us never heard of this guy. And, and you know, uh, if you if you knew about Stormy Daniels, you didn't want to publicly admit it. And uh, all of a sudden, he was on cable news all the time. And there was kind of this sense of like, okay, what you know? So there's a dispute. Trump wrote her a check to keep her quiet, allegedly, and uh, you know, apparently she didn't. And it's kind of a tawdry thing. But you know, let's face it, you know. Since the 1990s, adultery in the White House is not exactly the most shocking or surprising topic in the world. But for some reason, this got covered in depth around the clock, the 600-some appearances on MSNBC and CNN. There was kind of this question. Like, like I suppose I could see that, well, you know, let's hear it from Stormy Daniels. She did her 60 Minutes interview. We got to hear, you know, more details than we ever wanted to know about what it's like to be alone with Donald Trump. <laughs> but for some reason, Avenatti just stayed on the television. And because of that, he was able to kind of pitch himself as a potential presidential candidate. Democrats in Iowa invited him to come out to speak. Democrats in New Hampshire invited him out to speak. He got the glamorous profile treatment. He got any Leibovitz uh, photo shoot up in, I think it was Vogue. I don't think it was Vanity Fair. It was just like, why? And you know, you know, the answer is that people saw what they wanted to see in him. And they ended up elevating him to a stature that he never deserved, that he never warranted. I mean, not just was he not a good guy. He wasn't even a good guy to the people he was representing. Right? If he rips off his own clients, he'll rip off anybody. Uh, it is good to see consequences continue to come crashing down upon him. I do think there has not been quite enough consequences for all the people who built him up and lifted him up. Uh, I mean, we've mocked the likes of, of Seltzer and, and all the other folks on CNN, but I really believe that this, you know, like this kind of demonstrates how much a narrative can be manufactured that is just contrary to the actual facts uh, because somebody wants to see it. And it's kind of a, you know, a, a frightening state about where our discourse is and where the national news media is. Yes. And it'll happen again, although I have to <laughs> give the, the media credit so far with Michael Wolf's second book. It hasn't gotten nearly... Uh, the coverage yeah. that the first one got, and it's probably because the the first supposed bombshell was directly and immediately refuted by Mueller's office about the indictment that was shelved, that that never happened. Uh, and maybe they finally figured out that they got burned by this guy before, so we're not going to fall for it again. So it's going to be the guy that they haven't fallen for before that's going to burn him again. But it's coming. It's just a matter of who and when. Look, as the old saying, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, well, you probably won't be able to fool me a third time, maybe. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of the old George W. Bush stump line. Yeah, we, we won't get fooled again. <laughs> so Just like on CSI. All right, let's uh, go to our crazy martini now, Jim. And as we said at the outset, uh, this won against some very stiff competition for the crazy martini. 
Baltimore in recent years has a history of, let's just say, not very good mayors. It was just a few years ago that we had Stephanie Rawlings Blake there. She was the one that told the police to pretty much stand down and give rioters space to do what rioters do when the whole Freddie Gray riots were happening there and chunks of the city were burning and uh, there was violence all over the place and uh, martial law practically had to be put in. The National Guard came in. Governor Hogan ordered that. Uh, She ultimately did not run for re-election. And then Catherine Pugh got elected. She did not last very long. She got caught up in the Healthy Holly book scandal because she had a bunch of government entities gobbling up huge numbers of her books, which led to huge profits for her. She ultimately stepped down a few weeks back, citing health reasons. And now we've got this guy named Bernard Young. Goes by Jack Young. Uh, He is also a Democrat, of course. And not to anyone's surprise, a big city mayor is not a big fan of the Second Amendment. So he was off at this anti-gun rally over the weekend. And not only is he anti-gun, Jim, he actually has alternatives. Alternatives for how we can stop killing each other. Here are his excellent ideas. Gun violence is unnecessary. We can find other means to settle our disputes. You know, there's uh, mediation. If they want to really settle them, we can have them down at the civic center, put a boxing ring up, and let them go and box it out, those kind of things, you know. And the best man win, and the beef should be over. Those are some kind of things that I'm thinking about and hoping that we can get these people to put these guns down. Jim, I'm sure that will end gang violence. Just let the two guys duke it out for 15 rounds, and I'm sure there'll be no hostility left. Well, look, this, we could, we, I, I, on the one hand, I kind of want to chuckle and mock at this and say, come on, this is not real. This strikes me as a very realistic solution. A guy who, you know, the the guy who's shooting up somebody else's street corner isn't doing it because he doesn't have any other options. It's because he's decided this is the best way to take out that guy who I want to take out without uh, without exposing myself to getting killed and and taking, you know, making a permanent solution to uh, to the guy I'm angry with. I would point out, though, Greg, that if this worked, man, that'd make a fortune on pay-per-view, wouldn't it? It's the Bloods versus the Crips. And let me tell you, you know, you thought Foreman Ali had a lot of animosity. These two guys are fighting over control of the street corner and the drug trade in their neighborhood. The stakes are hot, you know, ding, ding, you know, let it go at it. Now, look, there, there's a certain, I suppose you could argue that if you've got guys walking around with a lot of anger, guys walking around on a hair trigger, just looking to, you know, take it out on somebody, then maybe they do need some sort of outlet. They do need some sort of less destructive way of taking out all of that anger, all of that rage, all that frustration, you know, Hey, if that works, God bless them. I don't really think though. I mean, the question would be getting all the different gangs to say, okay, we're going to settle this in the boxing ring. Like men, we're going to go, we're going to knock You know, first guy to knock out wins. And by the way, nobody, the losing side does not come back and shoot the other side. <laughs> These disputes tend to go on and on, which is why you end up seeing cycles of violence. You know, I, I almost want to give him a, a little gold star for creative thinking or something like that. But uh, coloring me skeptical that gang boxing matches are really going to end the scourge of violence on Baltimore streets. I don't think boxing uh, really brings an end to uh, deadly violence. And you know who would agree? Tupac. <laughs> who was murdered right after a Mike Tyson fight back in the 1990s. I can understand those who have to live in communities with this level of violence, being willing to try almost anything, being open to try ideas that don't think... If they try this and it works, God bless them and wonderful, but um, got to color me skeptical if that's really going to be... <laughs> the problem is that they just haven't found the right venue to, uh, to try to beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, I mean, you could go and try to revitalize neighborhoods and bring in uh, good jobs and uh, encourage uh, 
dads schools, to, to stay with their kids. For the future. Yeah, stuff like that. But, you know, uh, like you said, groups beyond gangs so that young men feel like they have a sense of support and people to turn to and things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. But like you said, with the Electoral College and changing the Constitution, Jim, that's harder than setting up a boxing ring. I mean, let's not throw out the pay-per-view option, though. <laughs> that could bring in some badly needed revenues. Maybe you could hire there a few more go. cops yeah. with that. Sure. Welcome to Baltimore, now renamed Thunderdome. Oh, Baltimore. It's had a rough, rough stretch lately. Jim, perhaps more sports in the crazy martini tomorrow. How's that for a tease? I, I cannot wait for that, Greg. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Jim Garrity of National Review, also the author of Between Two Scorpions, which launches a week from today, but you can pre-order your copies now. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. And don't forget to visit our friends over at Quip Electric Toothbrushes. Just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash martini right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. And tune in again Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.